I don't ever title my messages hardly ever. In fact, it's one of the things I'm like the most horrible at. Uh, but today I got, a, I got a title for the message. It, the title of the message is, Who Are You Paying Attention To? Who are you paying attention to? Uh, I'm a little bit excited about the message because maybe for the first time in my entire life, uh, walking with Jesus uh, and preaching, I'm actually preaching about something today that I actually know a ton about. Uh, I, maybe, maybe uh, for the first time in my life, I, I'm, I'm talking about something I just might be an expert in. Maybe. Uh, there's a book I read uh, by Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, I think, years ago. It talks about greatness in life and it, achieving expertise uh, to the point in a field or something that you can impact a nation or impact a generation. And they really came to this magical number, and I don't know how we got there. I'm sure that was in the book, but I skipped around a lot. But it was 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. You do something 10,000 hours, you're an expert. Nobody can take that away from you. 10,000 hours and you know what you're doing. 10,000 hours and you can uh, affect a generation. 10,000 hours, you can be an expert in it. And I'm telling you right now today, what I'm talking to you about, I've got 10,000 hours at least of experience in this. And that is not knowing how to pay attention <laughs> to anything. Uh, for a long time, I thought the entirety of American education uh, was just about looking at the front and paying attention because that was all for years since I remember learning human communication. Uh, it was pay attention, pay attention up here, up here, Jordan. Why are you looking at the wall? There's nothing on the wall. There's nothing up here. Look at me. Pay attention, pay attention. Pay attention. Then they thought they would solve the problem by putting me in the back of the room, which only made it worse because I'm farther away from you. Uh, you can't pay attention to me. Therefore, I can pay attention to whatever I want to pay attention to. Then they moved me to the front. They thought that would work. Uh, but I was so good at not paying attention that I actually brought other people with me in my journey of not paying attention. Uh, so then they created uh, this little thing. It, it was called ISS, and that was the normal room, but then they had a side room, uh, and literally there was three names on it for years uh, in, in Woodruff Junior High. Uh, this is no lie. One, I, the top was my name, and the second was this other name, and the third one was this other name, but that was our room. That was where we went uh, when, because in ISS, I could not pay attention. Uh, so much so that I distracted everybody else so that they put me in this room. Now, maybe in today's age, that's like, I don't know, illegal torture. I'm not really sure. Uh, but that was where I lived. I was so good at it. And this is something I don't ever get to bring it up. It's something I'm not proud of, but it is a reality. Uh, and Miss Brown uh, was the principal when I was like, I think it was seventh grade. Uh, and through the course of the year, uh, she announced that she, she grew up, she knew my uh, my mom growing up and, uh, and they, they were friends and she really loved me. She hated that she loved me, but she did love me. Uh, and at the end of the year, she told the whole school about a record uh, that I got that I had achieved that year. And that was 167 write-ups <laughs> through the entire year. And I didn't like get in a lot of fights and I didn't, wasn't super disrespectful. Almost all of them unanimously uh, were causing distractions or not paying attention. That was just me. So confidently, I can come before you today and I can tell you that what we're talking about today uh, is something that I know a lot about. Now, I haven't quite figured out how to pay attention yet, and that, that might be part two. Uh, but really understanding the power of who has your attention uh, and what you're paying attention to, there is a significant significant, couldn't overstate it, significant power in just being aware of where your attention is. And, and, and I want to, just for a second, I want to I make sure we're, 
we're all caught up in this story. This is the story of Jesus walking on water and Peter walking on water. And it's, it's one of the most famous stories of all time. If you, if you grew up in church uh, or went to a church or drove by a church uh, in the last 30 years, you know the story of Jesus walking on, on water. I think we're all on the same page. You know, when we refer to this, we, we, we get it. Most of us, 90% of us, we know, we know this story on some level. Um, but the two or three things I just want to make sure that we don't forget uh, from the last few weeks is that, that this entire situation, none of it was random. None of it. Everything was orchestrated by Jesus um, in a very specific way. And, and, and the way that he played it out, it was all we know in, Ma- in Mark chapter 6. He teaches us uh, that, that Jesus did all of this uh, because there was a lesson that he was trying to teach them in the feeding of the 5,000s that the disciples just didn't get. And so the entire process uh, was something that Jesus orchestrated uh, to teach us a few powerful things about following him. Uh, and, and today, I, I want to really jump to right in the middle of the story, you know, the famous part of the story, the miraculous part of the story of Jesus actually walking uh, on water and, and Peter actually getting out of the boat and walking on water. I want to tell you how I think that I have preached this story wrong in the past. Uh, and I think that most of the time when the story is preached, it's not, it's not preached wrong. I think that it's preached uh, from a weaker perspective Uh, than the perspective that I think Jesus really wanted us to take away. A a lot of times when we talk about getting out of the boat, I've done this. I had a whole series on this called Getting Out of the Boat. Let's get out of the boat. You don't want to die, you know, not not living uh, in purpose. You don't want to die in the boat. You don't want to die in religion. I mean, there's a lot of power in that. I think the first message of this series, I even danced around that a little bit. Uh, But the reality of it is, is that when when we go to this moment in this place and we start preaching about Peter getting out of the boat and walking on water, and that's what we need to do. We need to live in faith, and we need to get... It, it, we paint this picture that what we really need to do is we need to hop out of the boat, and then we need to walk on water, and we need to live this crazy, miraculous, powerful life. Like, we need to live this, like, split the Red Sea, walk across on dry ground, uh, go up on a mountain like Elijah, and call down fire from heaven. Uh, we need to, you know, heal the sick uh, and raise the dead, and there's all this crazy, you know, miraculous things that God's calling us to walk in, and in the reality of it is sometimes I'm just like let me just get through Monday like let me just let me go a week without getting in an argument you know with my wife let let me go let me go you know a couple days uh, without me wanting to hijack Hudson uh, you know out of the room everybody's like he's just he's me no I'm honest you're a liar that's the only difference between you and me my kids are perfect. They never, they never, I, I love them even when they wake me up at four in the morning when they're younger. I love them when they get older and they don't come home till four in the morning. You know, and, and I just, I sit up there and I just think, and I hope they're out there having a good time. And they probably, they probably got lost time at a prayer service or something. You're in denial. Your kids are psychopaths. Well, we talk about, you know, wanting to you know, live this crazy life, this epic life. You know, I want to part the seas, and I want to be a part of something great, and I want to change the world around me. And these are, things that, these are all things that I've said and I believe, and I really do desire on some levels. But let's just be honest. Like, day to day to day to day to day, like, we're just trying to wake up and get through life. 
Sometimes I think that we, we really forget the greatest, most miraculous and greatest thing that Jesus has ever done to us, in us, or for us. And that is just the absolute reality uh, that he raised our spirits, our dead spirits in sin to life in him, through our faith in him, through his work on the cross. Sometimes I think that we get so enamored with this idea of doing something great or majestic or amazing that we forget uh, the reality of walking on water in, in truthfulness is just us finding Jesus in this life, putting our faith in him, climbing out of the boat of death, and then walking on the water trying to learn to be like Jesus and make it to heaven. That the greatest, sometimes the greatest, most miraculous thing that we could ever do in this life is simply stayed married when every single thing in our life is telling us that it's not going to work out, that we made a mistake, that we married the wrong person, that it's never going to go good, that, that, you know, that it's just can't. And the greatest thing in life sometimes is just that we work through life. That we raise our kids when we don't know how. Sometimes the greatest thing that, that, that we can do as we learn to follow Jesus is that, you know, all of us, we've got wounds from our childhood. We've got, we got issues and struggles and scars. We've got stuff that we've got to deal with. And there's a lot of us in the room uh, that we've got to figure out how to be a good mom or a good dad when nobody really taught us how to be a good mom or a good dad. You know, sometimes we're talking about national revivals and like we're living in a house and it's just like, do we even know Jesus sometimes? The reality of it is, is that the life that God's called us to, the life, the miraculous life of walking on water is the simple reality of truly following Jesus day by day, becoming more like him from glory to glory into the image of Christ, getting through life day by day, just, just making it. And the way that we know that there is a level, at least a level, and we get it on some level in our hearts and in our minds is because there is a drastic difference between like what social media looks like and our actual day-to-day -day life. And how many times have we just lied through our teeth on social media? Now, don't take this. This is not a social media message. This is a point to show. Don't, don't go home and post how horrible your life is and say, I'm just trying to be real. <laughs> That's not what this is. I love social media. I believe in it. It's a powerful thing. I use it all day long. Healthy reasons and unhealthy reasons. All right? I don't, this is not about... But the, what I want you to see is that you know on some level that, that, that just getting up and, and, and being real and making it and doing it and being a light and, and just learning to be a husband, learning to be a wife, learning to be a father, learning to be a mother, learning to be a follower of Jesus Christ, learning how to step out. Sometimes, for some of you, the greatest, most miraculous thing that will happen in your life is that you finally quit living in religion and you learn how to walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ. That you were raised, listen, you were raised so deep instilled uh, in, in, in deep religious doctrine that you still have, have not really come to the fullness of just the grace and the mercy and the joy and the peace that is in Jesus Christ. Sometimes the parting of the Red Sea is just you learning how to live your life in Christ and not live your life sitting on a pew somewhere. Th these are the things. I think walking on water uh, is simply living the Christian life. Simply living the Christian life. And I, I want you to see something about this situation that Peter got himself into. And I think just for a minute, now I know, I know there are people in this room that you don't know Jesus. And I know there's people in this room, you don't know Jesus and you know you don't know Jesus. And I love you and I pray for you literally every day of my life that one day something, either here or somewhere else, would spark your heart and the Holy Spirit would build the light of Jesus Christ to you and that you would see the greatness and the majesty of Jesus and you would follow him, put your faith in him. I believe that could happen this very day. 
I also think that there is a lot of people in the room that think they know Jesus, but they really don't. I pray the same prayer for you. But there are a lot of people in the room that you do know Jesus, your faith is in Christ, and you're following him. And just for a few minutes, I want to speak to those people. Just for a few minutes, I want to speak to those people uh, that you, you, know, you, you know you've had a moment with Jesus. It's real. Uh, and you're following him. You're, you're, you're a Christian. You're saved. Uh, you get it. You're, you're walking in that. You know that. Just for a second, I want to take for granted that everybody in the room, just for a few minutes, is that. Is that. You, you know Jesus. And I, I want to walk through uh, this reality of, of where, where Peter's at. So he, he's, he's gotten out of the boat, and the Bible says that he's, get, he's gotten out of the boat, he's walking on the water, and he's walking towards Jesus. And I want to zero in on this, this sentence, uh, but uh, he saw the wind, or but he looked at the wind, and, and the wind, you know, the wind got his attention, uh, and, and he turned, and when he, he turned to the wind, and he looked at the wind, and he saw the wind, you know, he was filled with fear, uh, he was overtaken, he became frightened, uh, and then in, in, in this moment, he began to sink, uh, and he cried out to Jesus, and then Jesus immediately saved him and, and pulled him in. I, I want to talk about this, because th there's, there's two ways to look at this, and they're almost identical, they really are. And there's just one degree difference, but that one degree is actually pretty significant. Uh, and, and I've even, and I'm convinced I've preached this somewhere along the lines. You know, like, uh, you know, when you're living your life with Jesus, you know, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You just look right at Jesus. Don't you look at the wind. You look right at Jesus. And that sounds good. You could preach that. I could, I could get up here and I could be like, you just need to keep your eyes on Jesus. I could get all serious like this, whisper, or I could get passionate, and I could be like, you just need to keep your eyes on Jesus no matter what waves come your way. Just look at Jesus. He's God. Hallelujah. Amen. I could do it in accents. I could get real Southern. I could get real whatever. I don't think I could get anything else. But the problem with this is that keeping your eyes on Jesus, your physical eyes on Jesus. Now, what is that? When's the last time you saw Jesus? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> I had coffee with him this morning. He just trimmed his beard. He looks really good. Say so he's going to a new barber up there in heaven. The reality of it is, and I, and I, I want to just—I just want to sit in this moment. You know, it, the problem with, with with saying, you know, the the problem with Peter was that he looked at the wind. Is that he saw the wind at every step of the way. The reality of it was is, is that that situation, nothing really changed at all, ever, not, not once. Like uh, when they're in the boat, the waves were crashing against it. The wind was blowing. It was raging. The situation was the situation. When Jesus showed up uh, and they thought he was a ghost, the waves were crashing against the boat and the wind was, was, was raging. And when they realized it was Jesus and he started to talk to Jesus, uh, the waves were crashing against the boat and the wind was, was present and raging. I mean, it, it was just, it was what it was. When he, he took the first step out of the boat uh, and put one foot on the water, the waves were 
were still crashing. The wind was still raging. When he started to actually walk, uh, it was all the same. Nothing, nothing, nothing had changed. Like not even a little bit. Literally nothing had changed. And the reality of it was is that Peter saw the wind the entire time. You don't just see the wind. Like right here, right now, everybody's kind of looking at me, maybe, hopefully. Uh, and you see me, but you also kind of see like what's in the background. You also kind of see what's going on. You probably see the little fly that continually lives right around here. Uh, I think that it's a demonic little fly because I did research and they said they're only supposed to live for like 24 hours. And now unless this one's reproducing in every generation, every day that comes up flies around the same area every single weekend that I preach. It's right here. If you just stare at it, it's right here today, even uh, that when I'm, I'm looking at you, but yet I still see the fly. And you're looking at me, but you still see what's behind me and what's going on and what your neighbor's doing. And why I'm just on the moment. Can I just say something? I know that we give you guys peppermints. I know it. We got them out there. It's the worst decision we've ever made in our entire ministry. Because one of the only things that I seem to hear when I'm preaching is like, And nobody, do you understand that you're not supposed to just bite a peppermint? That's not how it works. Over and over and over. I don't even know how y'all are paying attention to me. I've got, I've got those, I've got to be, I've got to elevate my ability to communicate just to overcome your, I mean, you're sitting there and somebody's next to you. Somebody else. The reality of it is, is that you see me, I see you, but we always see everything else. We even act like we don't. You know, when that, the, the, the parent that brought the kid in here, even though we have kids ministry, and the kid's like, 15 minutes after the music ends. And you're trying not, you're acting like you don't see the kid standing up in the chair, waving at you, right in front of you. Don't feel guilty, parents, if you got your kids in here. We do have kids ministry, if you want to take them in there. It's, I mean, we have a big staff, like hundreds of volunteers. We do a lot of time and effort to teach your kids about Jesus, just in case. Just throwing it out there. The reality of it is, is that you see what you see. Peter saw the wind. He knew the wind was there. But when he, when he looked at the wind, though, something changed. Not exterior. The situation was the same. The circumstance was the same. Something changed in his heart, in his mind, long before he physically looked over at the wind. His attention the second that they saw Jesus walking on the water, Peter's attention was heavily focused, not just on Jesus, but on getting to Jesus. If you go back and you look at what Peter actually said, and the reason why I don't think that we can preach it the way we've preached it before, and, and the way I've even preached it before, is that, that he said, if it's you, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water, call me out upon the water, and tell me specifically to come to you on the water. Peter's heart was about getting to Jesus. Peter understood in that moment, whether it was in the boat or it was on the waves or it was in a mountain or it was in a valley, that he wanted to, needed to be wherever it was that Jesus was. His attention was there. That was why it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, 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 teach me to walk in faith. Let me walk on water like you walk on water. Uh, Let me walk on water just so I can say it. Let me walk on water so that all these fools in the boat know who the boss is going to be when you're gone. He said, 
if it's you, tell me to come out on the water, to come to you out on the water. He knew that if it was Jesus, the only way to get to him was to come out to him on the water. His attention was on Jesus. And when he climbed out of the boat uh, and he started to walk, his attention was on Jesus. Somewhere along the line, though, his attention shifted internally away from Jesus. Uh, And then when it shifts internally away from Jesus and your attention shifts internally to anything else, what that does is it gives uh, that situation, the wind in this case, power now over you in some way, in some level. Because he saw the wind the whole time. He saw the waves the whole time. When he asked to come out, he knew they were there. He saw it. It wasn't like uh, he was in some kind of weird delusional state and then it just became aware all of a sudden that he was in the middle of a storm. But when his attention inside shifted from Jesus, it gave power to the circumstances. And then what started to happen uh, was that as he looked now, the situation was speaking louder to him than God's voice was speaking to him. And I want to, you can, and you need to write this down because this is going to help you just understand life a little bit. When anytime, if you want to know if your attention has left Jesus, you will know this, especially if you're a Christian, if you're walking with him, you will know this when the situation or your circumstances or the storm starts speaking louder uh, than what Jesus is saying to you in your life. When God's volume starts getting drowned out uh, by the situation and that's all you can see, then you know that internally you have shifted away from Jesus. And I, and I want to point out the practical reality of this really fast. The situation didn't change at all Jesus was still Jesus the wind and the waves and the situation was still the wind and the waves in the situation this is the magnitude and the reality of life especially of a believer we forget sometimes just the overall magnitude that is Jesus Christ And it's difficult in this life, I understand this, it is difficult in life for us to truly, and I don't really think that we'll ever get to a place in life where we can understand, even if we just close our eyes and we just meditate on uh, just the reality of the greatness and the power and the goodness and the mercy and the love and the beauty and and just the amazingness of Jesus. It's difficult for us in this life, impossible for us, I believe, in this life to truly fathom or even imagine the reality of how great God really is. And and to really understand his holiness, how perfect he is, and what he's really done for us. It's difficult to grasp that. I think sometimes that like when we, when we first start walking with Jesus, we get it. There's this, uh, there's this openness, there's this honesty, but it seems like the longer that we walk, the more that we forget uh, really what it was that Jesus saved us from. Like, like, I think one of the greatest things that we can ever really understand in life, uh, not to remember the sins and not to remember who we were, but it says that at the end of it all, we will overcome by the word of our testimony. That means by the word of our story of what it was that Jesus did for us and what it was uh, that he saved us from. The reality, the ownership that I was lost in darkness, wicked and deceived, hostile, Romans says, in my mind towards God. And in that state, as an enemy of Jesus, Jesus. Jesus died for me anyway. And then when I was lost, he came and found me. When I, when I was absolutely consumed by darkness, he came like a light into my life and pulled me out of it. He knew who I was and he saved me anyway. He knew who Peter was and he said, get out on the water anyway. It's difficult for us to really imagine that 
that greatness of, of, of Jesus, who he really is, the, just the beauty. There's no words in the English language or any language, any human words, all of them put together could ever really truly equate the worthiness and the holiness and the sacredness of our God. He stands outside of it all. And he absolutely has never changed. From the day that he spoke the universe into existence to the day that Jesus came to the earth to the day he died on the cross to the day he emptied the grave uh, to right now in this moment and every second for eternity here on out, God has always been that unimaginable, great, unfathomable God. He's always been that. He is that right now and he will always be that. He is an ever-present, never-changing God. That's who he is. That's who he is. Likewise, the earth, the situation we have come to in life, the circumstances in life, we live in a broken world. And from the day that centered into the world, it has never changed, nor will it ever change. That's why Jesus didn't come to save the world. He came, he loved the world, and he came to save us. But at the end of it all, he said, I will destroy the earth, and I will even destroy the heaven, and there will be a new heaven, and there will be a new earth. What we have is what we have in this earth that's never going to change. It's never going to get better. That is what it is. From the second that Cain picked up a rock and killed Abel all the way until the last violent death, that is the world that we live in. Monday's always going to be Monday. The stresses, the anxieties, the things to fear in life, they're always going to be there. They're all, they've always been there. They'll always be there. Struggles in our marriages, struggles with our families, struggles in kids, struggles in jobs, struggling to find out who we were created to be, just the overall anxiety in, in, of life and, and all the big universal struggles and world hunger and, and war and all of these things. That is life. And here's the thing. It's always been like that. It's always been like that. Read a history book. It's never changed. It's always been like that. Sad news, it'll always be like that. So you've got these two realities that coexist with one another. You've got a world that is lost and broken in sin, and you've got an ever-present, never-changing, great, majestic, awesome, amazing God of the universe. So why do some days feel amazing some days you have peace, and some days you have joy, and some days you are overcome with the goodness and the greatness of God, and other days it feels like you are about to be drowned in the very waves you were walking on yesterday. If God never changes and the situation never changes, why did the wind get louder? Why did the waves become more violent? Why was there more fear? If God never changes and the waves never change, if God never changes and the wind never changes, if God never changes and the storm never changes, if God never changes and this earth and this culture never changes, why do we have peace some days and why do we feel like we're just simply not going to make it other days? It has everything to do with who you are paying attention to, period. Who has your attention? What happens is, is when, 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 when Jesus doesn't have your attention. When your attention is on Jesus, your heart is on Jesus, it's set on Jesus. You want to get to Jesus. Not the things of Jesus. Not the blessings of Jesus. Not the favor of Jesus. When you want Jesus, just Jesus, and your heart and your mind and your attention is focused on Jesus, when that is your life, everything that is still there is still there. It just doesn't matter nearly as much. 
But when your attention gets off of Jesus and it shifts, now all of a sudden the wind that was always been there, it's more powerful, it's more scary. Fear sets in, anxiety sets in. It's because your heart is paying attention to the earth, the wrong thing. I'm going to tell you a story. The other Friday, two Fridays ago, I woke up in a, in a not a good place. It happens sometimes. Woke up very early. My heart was just heavy. I just needed, honestly, I just needed God. You know, I, the older I get and the more I walk with Jesus, the more I remember really fully start to understand the Psalms that David would write. And he said, like, my soul thirsts for you. Everybody sings that like it's this happy moment. You need to read the rest of it. He's like, I'm dying inside and I need your presence. And I woke up like that that Friday and I just felt like the Lord called me. So I just got in my car very early and I drove uh, to a mountain and I just started hiking and I got up near this waterfall and I just fell and prayed and just got lost in God. And it was just an amazing thing. But while I was there, um, I, I got up, I climbed the rocks um, in a very dangerous way. And I know I'm not as young as I used to be. And I know I have kids uh, and I know all these things and, and I need to be careful. But I wasn't. And I'm standing up and in, in as close as I could humanly get to this waterfall. And it was just huge waterfall. And when you're sitting there under the, the, the right there that close, like the, the mist and the wind, you can just feel the power of the waterfall. And it's so loud. I think that's one of the reasons I love it so much. It's so loud, even in the wintertime, even freezing. It's just such an amazing thing because it drowns out everything. You can't hear anything. You can't even hear yourself think. And it was just, and I just get in this moment of just mesmeriz like mesmerization, I'm convinced that's not even a word, uh, mesmerized by the greatness of this, this waterfall and just everything, and it's just this peaceful thing. And it was so loud, you just couldn't even, like, you, you could almost scream and not even hear yourself scream. And I sat there for a few minutes, a little while, and then I got up and I walked up to the top, passed it, and walked on backside of the mountain all the way across and down and and I noticed something, and the Lord just hit me something. And I didn't know when, I, when it would come up, but now's the time. I was walking, and, and I just became aware of how loud it was. And that the farther away I got from it, the softer it became. And eventually I was just in dead silence. And, and it was as if I was never even there. It was as if I'd, I'd never even heard it. Like I couldn't even, I just even stopped a couple times just to see and you couldn't, you could not hear it at all. And the Lord put something in my heart right there on that moment, on that little trail on top of that mountain. He said, you can't hear it and you can't feel it, but that waterfall is just as loud and just as powerful and just as amazing right now as it was 30 minutes ago when you were sitting at it. The only difference is that you're 30 minutes away. That's it. And as first grade common sense as that makes, I think that we lose this simplistic truth in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The reality of it was is when I was sitting under that waterfall, it was so loud I couldn't hear myself scream. 30 minutes away, I couldn't hear it at all, but it was still just as loud. It was still just as powerful. It was still just as alive. It was exactly what it was when I was there. The difference was I just wasn't there with it anymore. This is the voice, the presence, the power, the majesty of Jesus Christ in our life.
It doesn't matter where you are. The reality of it is, is that Jesus is still the all-knowing, all-powerful, beautiful beyond imagination, more powerful than we could fathom. His voice, his volume, his peace, his joy, all that is God is so epic and it's so amazing and it's never, ever, ever changed. Not one second. What changes is us. What changes is where our attention goes. And when our attention leaves it, what happens is, and this is why I said it a minute ago before I started talking about what happens when our attention leaves it and it shifts, all of a sudden we can hear the situation becomes so much louder. The wind becomes so much more violent, even though the circumstances have never changed, even though the situation has never changed, even though the waves and the wind has all been there. It's just that you now are no longer, your attention is no longer in Christ, and you are no longer looking and facing and chasing and no longer going after Him. For whatever reason, your attention has shifted from Jesus onto something else, and when it shifts from Jesus onto something else, all of a sudden, the broken world starts to scream so much louder than it was when your heart was fixated on the glory of Jesus Christ. And the situation starts to scream. And the weaknesses start to scream. And the consequences of our sins start to scream. And just the stress and the anxiety and all the little things that we could fear in this life, they all get louder and louder and louder and louder. And they are not louder than the voice or the volume of God. It's just that you are no longer near the voice or the volume of God. God's power is still there. You have got to figure out how to take your attention and turn it back to the feet of Jesus Christ. Or the waves are going to keep, listen, listen, the waves are waves. It's never, it's, you're not going to wake up one day and there's no more waves. You're not going to wake up one day and there's no more wind. You're not going to wake up one day and there's no more storms. You're not going to wake up one day and, and, and all of a sudden everything's going to be good and perfect and right. You're not going to wake up one day and everything's just going to flow. That doesn't happen. It doesn't exist in this life. The world is broken because of our sin, humanity's sin. But Jesus, like in this moment, he is forever sitting on the water. He has never moved, and he has never changed. And I want to tell you one of the greatest acts of mercy and love that Jesus does for you in your life is when your attention shifts and you start looking and paying attention to the situation and the circumstances. Out of love, Jesus starts to let you sink just a little bit just a little bit so that you will turn and you'll call out to him. And that ever-present, never-changing Jesus, the second that you cry out like Peter cried out, Lord, save me, it said immediately he reached down, he grabbed his hand, and then they got in the boat and they worshiped. I want to tell you right here this morning one simple message, one simple reality and one simple truth. Jesus has always been is now and will always be the same all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-merciful Jesus, Son of the living God, Christ, Savior, anointed one of the world. Your sins are taken care of today just like they were taken care of on the day that you got saved. Death has already been defeated. The grave's already been emptied. All the things that Jesus is and was and all the victories that he won on the cross, there's still one. Nothing's changed. He hasn't changed. The world hasn't changed. Your heart has shifted. 
And all you got to do is shift your attention back to Jesus. And right here in this moment, he will save your life. And if you do not know him this morning and you feel something in your heart pulling you, something in your spirit pulling you, something you feel like it's just overwhelming you, do not leave this place until you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That is the voice of the Holy Spirit. That is the presence of the living God calling you. In just a few minutes, we're going to take part in some worship and we're going to watch baptisms and it's going to be an epic thing. But don't be distracted watching someone's public proclamation of their salvation and miss that Jesus wants to save you right here, right now, today. And if your attention has shifted, he's waiting on you to call out and put you back in the boat and worship him. He never changes. Put your heart to him if you guys will stand.